Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning, Lent 2, is Genesis 17, 1-7, and Genesis 17, 15, and 16. It had been 13 long years since Abram had heard from God. 13 years since Abram had jumped the gun heeding the voice of his wife Sarai and having relations with her maid Hagar in order to produce an heir. No doubt Abram was despondent. Barely a flicker of faith remained. Where was the Lord who had called him out of Ur to go to the land of Canaan? The one who said, I'll make you a great nation. Where was the Lord who came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Abram must have thought, God is angry with me. He's holding my sin against me. He's given up on me. Thirteen years, about 4,700 days, without any vision, no words from God. An old, impotent man living out his last days, not reflecting on a life well-lived, surrounded by children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. In Hebrews it says, his body was as good as dead. Instead of joy over what God had accomplished in him, he had just Ishmael, whom the angel of the Lord said would be a wild man. But God has reasons for delays. He normally waits until a person comes to the end of himself before exalting him. We must be sufficiently humbled so that we realize the power is from God and not ourselves. And this is especially true in the church. This is why the Apostle Paul says one of the qualifications for an elder is he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. God's timing is perfect. He is utterly faithful to his promises. He is not like a man that he should lie. Whatever he declares, it will come to pass. And it's time to renew his relationship with Abram. He does two things. He reveals himself to Abram, and he commissions Abram. And in the response, two things happen. Abram submits himself to God, and Abram is transformed. Let's look at each of these and consider the applications for us. First, God reveals himself to Abram. I am God Almighty, it says, in Hebrew, El Shaddai. It is fascinating that in the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, the El of El Shaddai is translated Ego I Me, I Am, in English, the same words Jesus used so often in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. 
I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Jesus, the I am, is God Almighty in the flesh. El Shaddai. El Shaddai is able to form, perform what he has promised, even at Abraham's advanced age. With God, nothing is impossible. And he's not just mighty, he is God Almighty. The name El Shaddai is nuanced, and it has multiple meanings. The El part of his name refers to his omnipotence. The Shaddai part is derived from a Hebrew word meaning breast. Thus, just as an infant is nourished and sustained and has all that he needs through his mother, so we are nourished and sustained by our, 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 our all-powerful God, spiritually through the word and sacraments and prayer, and physically through what Luther called the masks of God, the ordinary people that God uses in our lives to bring us food, dispense justice, protect our land, and other temporal blessings. And sometimes God does extraordinary things. Abram is very old, yet God comes to tell him he is not done with him yet. If you are still breathing, I don't care how old you are and what you have done. God is not done with you yet. If he was, you wouldn't be here. Ask him to reveal to you if there's anything beyond what you're doing now that he wants to accomplish through you in the time you have left. And he will do it. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct, direct your paths. Acknowledge him as your El Shaddai, the Almighty, and he will guide, sustain, and enable you. El Shaddai reveals himself to Abram. Now he commissions Abram. Walk before me and be blameless. God is literally saying, walk to and fro before my face. This means to live the rest of your days as if in my very sight. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God here is exhorting Abram to walk circumspectly. There's a child song my wife used to sing to our kids that's called Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. It goes, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. And then the chorus is repeated, replacing eyes with ears, feet, hands, and tongue. We don't need to walk in dread or in paranoia, 
but in adoration and reverence, with a desire to live lives pleasing to him, even as we are pleasing to him, like Abram was, because of faith in Christ. And God's favor is upon you, not because of the covenant of circumcision, but by virtue of the covenant of your baptisms, whereby he cleansed you of your sins, placed his name upon you, and gave you the Holy Spirit. And now that you belong to him, he wants you to walk in a certain way. Walk before me and be blameless. This does not mean sinless perfection, for there is no man living without sin. But to live lives of integrity, to have our hearts be undivided, to live lives devoted to him, to not be pulled in all kinds of different directions, to walk with the knowledge of his presence. Do you walk that way? Are you conscious of his presence? In theology, there's a Latin phrase for this. It's called quorum deo, to walk before his face. You know, different groups like the Masons have secret ways of greeting each other with certain gestures or certain key words. I think we should have something like that. Since greet one another with a holy kiss has fallen out of favor, I propose we use quorum deo. So if I come up to you and say quorum deo, I am greeting you, encouraging you, and reminding you that you walk before the face of God. Jesus commanded Abram to walk this way, quorum deo, in Genesis, and repeats it again 14 years later on the, in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be blameless, be perfect. It means the same thing. Well, this is impossible, you say. Didn't I just tell you his name is El Shaddai, God Almighty? And his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. At times in our walk, we stumble and fall and get skinned up. But God picks us up. He dusts us off. He bandages up our wounds with the word of his forgiveness, and pushes us towards the perfection which he has promised us when we will stand before him in glory without spot or blemish. Another example from early childhood, when a child starts to use crayons, they scribble all over the page. The parents don't scold the child for not keeping the coloring within the lines, but he praises upon her. They even attach it to the refrigerator. They are so proud. As time goes on, 
the child gets better and better until she keeps almost all of it within the lines of the image. So it is with God. As we walk before him, he never abandons us to our imperfections, but keeps encouraging us, directing us until the end of our earthly lives. In the meantime, he looks upon us with pride and a warm heart. God reveals himself to Abram. Now he commissions Abram, and Abram submits himself to God. Abram fell on his face. This was entirely appropriate. It's a posture of humility, reverence, awe, and gratitude upon hearing of the promises of God in establishing the covenant through him and multiplying his descendants exceedingly. He knew God was treating him with a grace he didn't deserve. To tell you the truth, as his face lay in the dirt, I think he was chuckling a little bit. This is ridiculous. Me? Moi? One who worshipped idols in Ur of the Chaldeans? One who lied to Pharaoh and told him his wife Sarah was his sister, knowing that Pharaoh would attempt to have her in order to save his own skin. One who tried to force the plan of God by taking Hagar to himself. So we, when we really consider our blessings, we sort of have to laugh, don't we? Such grace. Such bounty, such blessings abounding to sinners. Sometimes we think sin disqualifies us. Not so. Instead, he gives us more grace. And I marvel at his goodness towards me and to you. Abram is transformed. His name is changed from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, father of many nations. And this transformation is entirely God's doing. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. And Sarai is also included. Her name is changed from Sarai, which means my lady, or princely, to Sarah, which means princess or even ruler. This is not like contracts we have between men. You go to the car dealership to get your car serviced, and you sign the estimate. And this means the service department will repair your car, and in exchange, you will give them money. That's the contract, and that's the deal. This covenant is not like that. God doesn't ask, ask to be paid back. You go to God, he fixes you. You don't pay him back. He does not make it contingent on Abraham's or yours or your moral integrity or upright behavior. God asks nothing in return. 
It's not like the temporary covenant God made with the Israelites 400 years later, written on stones, which was characterized by thou shalt not or thou shalt. That covenant has been fulfilled by Jesus and annulled. This one is entirely free from obligation on the part of the inferior party. And you are the recipients of that grace. This grace is fulfilled in the seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ. God made a covenant through his son. This covenant is not sealed and ratified through a few drops of blood cut from the foreskin, but through the gushing forth of Jesus' blood on the cross. The life of the Son of God was poured out for you so that now you have peace with God, as we read in our epistle. This gives you full access to the throne of his grace, for grace and mercy to help in the time of need. So be bold. You are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. In another place, Abraham is called God's friend. And you are that also. You are Abraham's descendants. And therefore, you are God's friend. The seal of the covenant is the blood of which you are about to partake. So receive it with confidence and joy. After all, you are Abraham's kids, and you have nothing to fear. Amen.